Welcome to We Have This Hope. My name is Emily Curzon. This is a podcast about the study of scripture, the art of remembering, and the practice of telling. On the show, we'll explore the ways God calls his people to remember by studying scripture together, and we'll hear individual stories of hope anchored in the beautiful and ancient practice of remembering. I'm so glad you're here. Today we're going to kick off our study in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is 31 chapters. It's almost smack in the middle of your Bible. If you've never read it before, it's a form of Hebrew poetry. Um, It's a beautiful, simple book, and we're going to dive right in. Now, if you've never studied scripture with me before, so that would mean basically you are not my family or anyone who did the summer Bible study with me over Ezra Nehemiah, what I want to remind you is that my hope behind studying scripture in a podcast in this format is that it would inspire and equip you to study scripture on your own. So this is not meant to be a devotional. It's not meant to be like just a little nugget for your day. It's actually meant to get you into the word of God and get you thinking about what it says, why it matters, and how it applies to your life. So the way that I do that is just asking three simple questions. And this is not novel. It's not amazing. It's just simply what I have used personally as I've studied the Bible on my own. And so those three questions are, the first one is, what does it say? Isn't that really novel and incredible? What does it say? But the reason I ask this question is because I think we blow past the details too quickly often, and it's good to stop and remember what we learned in first grade, which is like the who, what, when, where. So those are the things that we answer in that first question. What does it say? What did it just tell us? The second question is, why did it matter? And it's intentionally in the past tense because this is our context question. Or to use a really fancy word, this is your exegesis. So this is looking at who wrote this book, what was their original intent, what was their, who was the original audience? What was happening in the world and the time and place that we believe this was written? So this is going to give us context. For this particular study, we're going to dig into the life of Solomon, King Solomon, David's son, because he's credited with the majority of the book of Proverbs. I actually didn't know this until I started studying on my own, that the last two chapters are credited to to other people. So we'll talk about that when we get there. But we're going to dig into his life to give us some context behind the author and um, the king, famous, wealthy, and wise king of Israel. The final question is kind of obvious. It is, why does it still matter? This is your application question. Why does the book of Proverbs still matter? What does it have to say to me, Emily Curzon, sitting at my kitchen table in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the year 2022? What does does God still have to say to me through this scripture in the here and now? What What can I learn from it and apply to my life? So I'm very excited that you're here. We're going to kick off today with chapter one of Proverbs, and we're going to look at the first seven verses. This is Proverbs chapter one, verses one through seven. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, 
doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So what does it say? Well, right off the bat, we meet the who. It says the Proverbs of Solomon. And who is Solomon? He's the son of David, the king of Israel. So we learn right away that this is a collection of wisdom by Solomon for, it tells us that it's for the young, for the simple, for those who want to get guidance, who those who want to learn so that they can discern how to live. Well, let's break it down just a little bit further. I'm going to give you a couple of nuggets of information. I was curious about this word proverb. The word proverb in Hebrew is mashal, and that word typically means from some research that I did, comparison or an analogy. But if we dig a little bit further and we look at the word wisdom, the Hebrew word for wisdom is chokmah. And I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation. If you want to dig further, Hokma is C-H-O-K-M-A-H. But Hokma, according to Tim Mackey, who is a scholar and a professor and he works with the Bible Project, it is actually a Hebrew word for wisdom, but it doesn't just mean wisdom in the mental activities. So if you think about when we think, you know, in modern times about someone who's wise, we typically think, okay, that person has a lot of knowledge. They must know a lot about a lot of things. But Tim Mackey's point is that this word hokma actually means a practical skill and is used in other places in scripture in describing people who are doing something, producing something, even maybe with their hands. He mentioned that it's used when uh, in the context of the artisans who are building and creating things for the temple. So in this context, we're going to, wisdom means not just mental activities, but practical, practical, applicable life skills. So that gives us a lot of information right off the bat. This is a book written by King Solomon, imparting wisdom, imparting chokmah, using Hebrew poetry in the form of mashal, which are comparisons or analogies. So in general, we can say that this is a book about wisdom that leads to a flourishing life. And it actually tells us that whoever listens is going to get something. It says, let the the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. So if we want learning, if we want chokmah, if we want guidance, we can read this book. I want to look at verse 7 really quickly before we finish the question, what did it say? Verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And that phrase, the fear of the Lord, I think can be a little intimidating. When I read it, I, I wanted to dig in further. And that's something that you can do on your own. If you read something and you're like, I don't know, that I don't think I fully understand that, or that seems, I'm curious about that. You can dig in. That's what I did with this phrase. What does the fear of the Lord mean? Well, according to Tim Mackey, same guy, highly recommend his content. He says that he describes the fear of the Lord. This phrase in the original language is actually this idea of knowing our place before God in the universe and living accordingly. 
So it's not like I'm huddled in the corner, afraid of this big God who could smite me whenever he wanted. It's actually just a like an acceptance of who I am in relation to God. I'm not the author of my own existence, and I'm also not the author of what's good and not good. So if I know that, if I know my place in the universe, I know I'm not the author of my own existence, I know I don't know what's right and wrong, or I didn't create what's right and wrong, then I need chokmah, I need wisdom to know what is good and right, just and prudent for my flourishing. So why did it matter? Remembering this is our context question, we're going to talk a little bit about who is Solomon. Now, if you're not familiar with where he fits in the biblical narrative, you should go back and listen to the Old Testament overview episode that I had in the Ezra-Nehemiah study. That's where we go over, we do like what I call a rapid fire overview of the Old Testament, looking at kind of the five key figures that help move the story forward. One of those key figures, a huge part of God's story is King David. Solomon's David's son. Now he's not his first son, which I find interesting, but he is the son that God chose from David to be next on the throne and to build the temple. That's all according to scripture. And we're going to look at a passage in 1 Kings 3 so we can meet who is this guy? Who is Solomon? Why does he matter? So this is coming from 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 4 and go right on through. The king went to Gibeon to, the offer, to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important place, high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So this is verse nine, listen in. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people, and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will, never ha- there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. So this passage of 1 Kings gives us a little bit of insight into who Solomon is. Now we know historically, like I said, he's the son of David. He's also the son of Bathsheba. That's his mother. And if you remember the story of David, Bathsheba is the woman who David commits adultery with. Um, and it's, uh, it's actually Bathsheba who goes to Solomon and reminds him, hey, you said Solomon was going to be king. And in fact, we see in some other places in scripture that God had told David, Solomon is the one who I want to sit on my throne. Solomon's the one who's going to build the temple. 
And so in chapter three that I just read, Solomon gets a vision or has a dream of God asking him for whatever he wants. And the thing that Solomon asks for is wisdom. And God is so pleased by Solomon's response that he actually makes a promise to him. He says, I'm, not only am I going to give you wisdom like you asked for, but I'm also going to give you both riches and honor so that in your lifetime, there's never going to be a king like Solomon to rule over Israel. And that's the setup. We will dig into the story of Solomon quite a bit because you may already know, but his downfall ends up being women. Ultimately, though, we, ha- we see a picture right away of a man who wants to carry on the legacy of his father, and that is to follow after God, to obey the laws of God, and to lead his people to do the same. In terms of why did it matter, while it's important to know who Solomon is, it's also worth mentioning that Solomon for the Hebrew people was a fixture of wisdom. So his audience at that time would have known that Solomon had been given wisdom from God and thereby he's sort of a conduit of God's wisdom for the people. And this is a tradition that was actually carried on long after Solomon's life. There are Um, some scholars who think part of Proverbs or aspects of maybe the middle of the book were actually recorded long after Solomon's life. So they're his wisdom, but may have been recorded during like Hezekiah's reign or even possibly in the post-exilic period. But what it tells us is that the words of Solomon recorded in this book were the fixture of practical, applicable wisdom for the people of God at that time. So we're moving kind of quickly through these three questions, and I want to ask the final one. Why does it still matter? So this is the application question. This is, why, this is when we say, okay, I'm folding laundry, I'm on a walk, I'm frantically trying to clean my house while my kids are at school. Why does Proverbs 1, 1 through 7 apply to me today? What does it have for me? And when I was thinking about the answer to this question, Uh, The thing that I kept coming back to is Tim Mackey's teaching on both the fear of the Lord and hulkma, wisdom. So when we think about that, the messages that we get culturally and that the world gives us about wisdom, the message that we get is that wisdom comes from within. That's what the world is teaching us. Follow your heart. Do what feels right to you. Like um, That's what our kids are hearing. That's what we're hearing. But when we think about this phrase, the fear of the Lord, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Well, when we think about Tim Mackey's definition of that, that I'm not the author of my own existence, I'm not the author of what is good and right and true, then right away we can think about wisdom as a gift that we obtain. Even Solomon, he, God asked him, what do you want? And Solomon asked for wisdom. It was given to him. It was a gift. It's recorded in Proverbs as a gift to us. So when I think about why does it still matter, I'm reminded that wisdom for a flourishing life, wisdom for life in the kingdom of God in the here and now does not come from within me. It comes from understanding that I am not the author of my story. I'm not the captain of my own ship. That wisdom for living is a gift that God gives me when I ask for it and I open my hands to receive it. And I want it. I want wisdom. I want, like in verse 3, to know what it means to live rightly and justly and fairly. And I want to pass that on to my children. So if you can relate to that, 
If you are a person who wants to know how to live well, in not just an intellectual sense, but in a practical way, if you want that, the book of Proverbs is for you. And you can begin right now to ask God to give you wisdom as you read his word, as you think about what does it say? Why did it matter? Why does it still matter? Next week, we're going to continue looking at the first nine chapters of Proverbs. I actually haven't decided yet where we're going to dig in, but we're going to stay in the first nine chapters. This is a part of the book that's typically called Long Wisdom Poems or Instructions. When you think of Proverbs, you probably are thinking mostly of like the middle, what's in the middle chapters, like 10 through 22, which are more like those short sayings or kind of the tell it like it is format. We'll get into that as well, but I don't want to blow past the beautiful poetry at the beginning where wisdom is personified. And then we'll also talk more about the story of Solomon. There's some really beautiful aspects of his story. He's going to ride a donkey into town. And so I think you can already see where we might draw some connections to the life of Christ. Um, But I'm so glad you're here. And I'm hoping that you will take these three questions journal on your own, read on your own, and grab yourself a good um, Bible commentary. I use Holman Illustrated Bible Commentary. There's a million other really, really long ones out there. That's a great, like, concise one, one book for the whole Bible. So thanks for listening, and I hope you'll tune in next week. And I have some great interviews that are coming down the pipe, and then I'm actually going to post about this podcast on social media. I'm actually, I'm actually going to do it. So pray for me. Okay. See you next week. Thanks.